This is the Youpreneur FM podcast, where each week we bring you the strategies and resources you need to build, market, and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your knowledge and expertise. And now, here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Yes, hello and welcome to episode number 367 of Youpreneur FM. I am your host, Chris Ducker, as always. And as always, it is an absolute pleasure to be inserted into your day. doesn't matter how you're listening or where you're doing it. I very much appreciate you taking some time out for me and for the Youpreneur crowd. Uh, so you can maybe learn a little bit, get inspired a tad, and be able to take everything you're doing up to the next level in your business and life. This week, we will be continuing our little private look. Well, I said it was private. There was about 350 people in the room, but our little private look at our Youpreneur Summit 2019 keynotes, all four of them, both on the Saturday and then another two on the Sunday, are going to be published this month here on Youpreneur FM. Uh, so far, we've heard from Todd Herman on the alter ego effect. We uh, last week heard from Phil Jones on exactly what to say. And this week, we get to spend some time with our opening keynote speaker from day two of last year's summit, the one and only, the incredible, the incomparable JJ Virgin. Now, there were several people that were in the audience who had seen JJ speak on more than one occasion, and they came up to me and the team over the course of the second day of the event after seeing her open up with the session that you're about to hear and said words to the effect of, oh my God, she was on fire, the best I've ever seen her. So you are in for a genuine treat, my friend, a genuine treat. JJ doesn't talk about the health and fitness industry, which is an industry that she's been involved with for many, many, many years and had ridiculous success in. Instead, what she talks about is how she's built a multi-million dollar business based around her expertise and the people that she wants to affect the most change in in her life. Yes, she's a youpreneur. She identifies and talks about the term of youpreneur quite regularly as well. So here's JJ talking about how to make some money out of what you know and who you want to serve. Youpreneur FM, helping you build the business of you. So what really happened was I freaked out when I saw him because I'd been following his podcast. Who listens to his podcast? Why isn't everybody's hand up? Are you doing that hand this morning? Uh-huh, I pick on people, especially you guys. Oh God, I know, well you're right there. So I saw him and I freaked out, my husband's with me. I am like, oh my God, it's Chris. I said his name wrong, I kept saying Drucker. I know it's Ducker. Um, but it was super, super exciting to meet him because I follow people who are exceptional at teaching personal branding. And would you agree you are with the best, right? How lucky are you to have this here and not have to like go travel across to the U.S. to go find him? Amazing. So cool. So I just want to check in before we dive into money. And you all want to talk about money, right? Because I work in the health field and it's like taboo to talk about money, which is so ridiculous because money is energy. It's how we do things. Who here has their own business right now? 
Awesome. This will make it a lot easier. Uh, how long have you been doing this? A year? Who's been doing it at least a year? Two. Two years. Five years. Ten? Yeah, so Chris was wrong. I've been doing this 30. Actually, 35. Actually, even longer than that, because I started my first business when I was in high school. I'm sure other people have done that, right? Started when you're right, because it's just who we are. We can't help ourselves. All right, next big question around that. If you were to stop working today and you said, you know what, I think I'm going to take a month off, would your business stay the same? Awesome. Would it go up? Okay. You come up here, you're going to do the talk. You. <laughs> but this is, this is so key critical because, you know, really what we're talking about is creating businesses... And to create a business, it means that you have to be able to exit it and it still exists, right? And if you're creating a business, you want to create a business at some point, whether you want to sell it or not, because as you start to create a lot of people are like, oh, I never sell it. And then five, ten years later, you're like, get this thing off me. Uh, you know, you're bored. You want to do something else. That means you have to create something that is saleable, that has a good EBITDA. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But I'm going to do it by taking you on a journey because success leaves clues, Right. And, you know, they talk about the secret of millionaires, but I kind of feel like it needs to be now the secret of billionaires because millionaires is not that much money anymore, is it? And so when you think about the billionaires, Elon, Richard. Richard, by the way, when I tried to trademark the virgin diet, that man has trademarked everything. Everything virgin. I was like, it's my name, dude. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but you look at what they've done. And not only have they created a personal brand that's allowed them to pretty much go into anything they want to go into, so we're in the right place with that, but the other thing they did was create multiple income streams. Super important. And by doing that, they were able to create big impact, right? And who's here to create impact? Anybody? Yes? That's always been my driver. Step one, first thing, I was like, how do I create more impact. And I started out, I was working one-on-one, -on -one, and uh, I was going to school. I was paying my way through school as a personal trainer. In fact, I was one of the first three personal trainers in the United States, paying my way through school. So I would get up in the morning, and people like personal trainers to come to their house about 5.36 a.m. So that means I got up at about 4.30 a.m. I would go, I'd work, I'd see a client, I'd get in my car, I'd race to the next client, I'd get in my car, I'd race to the next client. I had a big box in my car, a cooler, so that I could have food. I always had a thermos full of coffee. And then I would run to school, and I'd take my classes, and then I would run to the gym, then I'd run back to see client, and this was 4.30 a.m. wake up, get home around 9 p.m., go to sleep, get up, do it again. It was better on the weekends because people didn't like to work out till 7 a.m., but I kept thinking to myself, you know, this is fine. It's just now. This will end, right? I mean, we, we have a tendency to do that, yeah? Like, here I am now, and there's that thing over there, and, you know, I can keep this up because I'm going to have that thing, right? That thing right there. But have you ever noticed that when you get close to that thing, what does that thing do? I was like, it's never, I'm never getting there. I'm never getting there. And I graduate, but 
nothing's changed. I'm still working this crazy amount, and I'm still impacting just a small amount of people. So I asked a question. I always think, you know, when you ask the right question, like, how do I have an awesome day today? You know, how do I help more people? How can I impact more people? And at the time, I was doing, doing a lot of local TV in Palm Springs, California. And one of my friends, who was a doctor, asked me to come help him out on a TV show. It was this TV show. Let's see. Do I have to be up here to click it? Nope. It was this TV show. You guys know him here? Everyone always says, well, what's he like? I'm like, can't you tell what he is like? Can you tell what, he, what, what do you think he's like? No one wants to say, right? <laughs> anyway, he gave me my big opportunity because his show reached 13 million people. Now, my big goal was to help a million people. Check. Done. There I am. So it's awesome. Here was my big dream. I was going to impact all these people, right? And now I'm impacting 13 million people. But you know what the challenge is? Dr. Phil got a start on Oprah, right? He never got paid. So when you worked on Dr. Phil as one of the outside experts, of which there were a gazillion other ones trying to get where I was, you didn't get paid to do it. I was doing it. It took me about 30 hours a week. I had two young boys, and I was still doing all my other stuff. So it didn't get any easier. And I loved what I was doing. I loved it. But I was out of bandwidth. Like, I could not see how I could keep doing that. Has anyone gotten to that point? Like, you can see it, but, but you don't know how to get there. So that is what I'm going to walk you through today, because I knew one thing, that the change had to happen here, right? That doing more of what I was doing was not going to get me that business, the freedom. Sure, I was making the impact, but I was broke. You know what the worst thing is to be on TV broke? Because you have to show up to all these things, you're supposed to be dressed a certain way, and I was absolutely broke doing it. So that is what I'm going to walk you through, is how I made that shift. And what I'm really talking today about are monetization models. So as I'm walking through this, because you might go, oh, you know, she's talking and she's in the health industry. But does it really matter? Nope. Because if it works in one place, it'll work in others, right? And as I started to do this, the challenge I had was people weren't doing it in health, so I started mimicking people in other industries. So I first started one-on-one. -on -one. Does anyone know who this guy is? That was uh, Superman a couple years ago, Brandon Routh. And who, who sees people one-on-one? -on -one? I think this is the most important part of our business because if I can't sit down with you and tell you what I do and sell you, I have no business trying to go online and do it. But you see people do that all the time. I think it's because they think it's the path of least resistance because it's a lot easier for an anonymous person to say no than me talking to you right there and you like having zero interest in what I'm doing. But if I'm working with you one-on-one, -on -one, I'm knowing exactly what's working, what's not working. I can tell what the objections are, right? It's fantastic. Here's the challenge with one-on-one. -on -one. There's one of you. And so really, when you're working one-on-one, -on -one, once you've built this business, there's only one real way that you can make more money. What is it? Yeah, you got to raise your rates. Oh my gosh, raising rates. Isn't this, first of all, how do you decide what to charge? 
Because I get asked this one all the time. What should I charge? I think that what you should charge is more than what you think you should charge. You know that amount that you think, who the hell am I to say that number? That's the amount you should charge. (laughs) When I first started out, and I was sitting in a nail salon, and the first thing that happened was I was teaching aerobics, and someone wanted me to come to their house and teach aerobics there to this woman. I went, all right. And then I was sitting in a nail salon talking about this, and someone said, well, would you come to my house? And I said, sure. And she said, what do you charge? And I'm like, $35. And I just sat there like looking at her. And this was, by the way, this was 30 years ago, right? This is a long time ago. So this would be like saying $150 now. And in pounds, so say about 130 pounds. She looks at me, she goes, okay. And what did I think? <laughs> like, sh- <laughs> so the next woman who asked me what I charge, what I say? Well, I said 45. I'm like a little chicken. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? Once you charge 45, could I ever say 35 again? Oh, hell no. No. Next time, what did I say? 55, 65, 75. And then it got to be kind of a fun game because I realized so much of our mindset, and I do a lot of mindset work with the doctors I coach, a lot of our stuff here is like, am I worth it? You know what I started to notice as I raised my rates? Number one, they got better results because when they pay, they pay attention. When they pay more, what do they pay more of? Attention. You know, if you could charge someone more than what they thought they could afford, because that is a total false construct, just like a budget, what if you just could afford not to, right? Like when people tell me they can't afford something, I've never made a decision based on that. I'm more, can I afford not to, right? But if you can charge someone just slightly more than they think they can afford, they're going to pay more attention. I also discovered pretty quickly that when I raised my prices, my perceived value in the marketplace went up. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be the low-cost leader. Anyone want to be the low-cost leader out here? No. So I love that whole pencil, the pen analogy yesterday. It was fantastic to show. So after I raised my rates, I still was trading time for money. And I'm one of those people that goes into a room and I always try to figure out what someone's making. Does anyone else do that? I asked that the other day in a conference and we were like, no, we don't do that. I go, you don't? Because I go to a con, like if, I, if I'm in a, I went to the Queen concert and I'm trying to figure out how much Adam Lambert's making. I mean, it's just like, what's the swag worth? What's this worth? What's the insurance cost? So a couple of you do it. I'm, I feel better about myself. But one of the things I want to do was move off of the trading time for money and that whole of like, how much is she making per hour? And so the first thing I did was packaged in programs. And here's one of the reasons why. Back when I was a trainer and a nutritionist, seeing people one-on-one, I still am, but I mean, that was like my full business. If someone had a really big night the night before, ate too much, stayed out too late, Did they want to see me at six? No. Maybe they'd rather have the massage therapist come over instead. So what I discovered is I had to patch these things into programs so that because if you let people pay as they go, you know what they do? They go, right? They so, especially when you're doing something you don't necessarily want to do. If I had like a million dollars for every person who said, I wish you could just work out for me, I'm like, well, you know. So I packaged into programs, but here's what I started to do. 
I started to look at all the things that I knew that they needed along that customer journey. So someone working with me, they were going to need supplements. They were going to need shakes. They'd need some workout equipment. And I looked at the things that I could put into place. I also noticed something. Who here teaches? Who's a teacher? Ever feel like you've repeated yourself? Right? I'm like, I told you not to eat that sugar yesterday. I told you. Now everyone's going to have a little shame on your table, aren't you? So... I decided anything that I was repeating, I would record and hand out to them. So I started to look at what are the things that I don't need to be doing that I could leverage myself because we can leverage ourselves through other people, right? So I started bringing in coaches and through technology and tools, not a lot of technology and tools back then. Literally, I used to record things and I had a tape. Do you know what these things are? They're tapes. I had a tape dubber, right? And then we had a little copy machine. We'd write these things out. So it's much easier now, by the way. Like now we have this thing here online. And when online happened, I started to have a forum on there. I had my online programs on there. So I was able to do more and more and more with less and less and less of my time. And what was super cool about all that is... I was doing less with my time and making a bigger impact. How cool. They were actually getting better results because the forums, the communities were supporting each other. Have you noticed that? I'm in a couple masterminds, a couple different communities, and it's amazing the power of the community. I mean, just even being in this room, the power of the, like being around people, you know, Jim Rohn says that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So like choose wisely, grasshopper, right? Uh, that's a lot of us, when we hear, heard that the first time, went, oh, need new friends? Yep. <laughs> okay. <sighs> so that website you saw there, by the way, that was not my first website or my second website or my third. And for those of you who are like, oh, yeah, I'm just finishing my website, you know what? You're not. <laughs> you're just not, okay? Because, right? I mean, you're not. The minute it's done, it's not done. You're like, ugh. So, but look at my dog. Isn't she great? So a little aside, I, I moved to Florida recently. I live on the water, and we got paddle boards. Anyone here ever paddle boarded? Well, so I have a mini toy fox terrier, very smart. And uh, she does not like the water. So we get a little paddle board puppy pad. They have them. And we get a very, very small doggy life vest. She's six pounds. We put her on the paddle board. She does not like the water. So we're like, this will be fine. We're out in the middle of the canal. And my husband looks over. He goes, yeah, do you think she'll jump in? I'm like, no, she doesn't like the water. And she proceeds to go, boop, boop, plop. You know, I think she thought the water was glass. Anyway. <clears throat> so after I went and started to do all this, here's the next thing that happened. I had a client. And a client, this client was a corporate trainer. And she said, hey... Do you speak? Now, before I said the next thing, which would have been no, she said, because I need a health speaker and we pay $1,000. <laughs> now, this was years ago, right? And I was not making $1,000 an hour. <clears throat> and so my next words were, yes, yes, I speak. <laughs> Boy, you know what? A lot of the things that I've done, 
I've done like, you know, I showed up on local TV and that's how I got, like I started doing TV. That's not really the best way to do things. Like the best way to start speaking is not have someone offer you $1,000 and then go out and, you know, vomit on the poor people that like, you know, actually thought they were going to get some professional speaker. But you do want to take action. And so once I started to speak, I started to speak everywhere. And some were paid and some were purely getting clients and some were selling from the stage because there's three different clear ways, obviously, that you can, you can speak. And I will tell you what's interesting about speaking is the people who I've met over the years from speaking, I still have people who I met 20 years ago when I was speaking who are still clients of mine using my products. Because it's very different, right? It's, it's one thing to see someone on a Facebook Live. It's totally different for me to be sitting right here looking at you, right? So I pretty much say yes to the right audiences whenever I can. Who's speaking here? And again, I look at a lot of different ways that you can monetize speaking. But I think the single best thing is if I'm going to ever do new material, which I'll show you how I did this in a minute, the single best way to test new material, now I said this somewhere and I was at a speaker training and they go, never do that. But when I'm testing things, I have to be able to actually look at someone. Because if I'm testing something, if I'm speaking on a Facebook Live or a podcast, I can't tell if what I said landed, if anyone cared, if they understood, if it made sense, right? I mean, I'm not looking at anybody. So that's another great thing that speaking can do for you. So once I started to speak, what do you think the next thing people started to ask for? Any ideas? Smart. Yes. So, anyone ever read this book? No. Oh, my husband raised his hand back there. <clears throat> yeah, well, <clears throat> you notice I'm not on the cover, right? That's not me, clearly. Because they said blondes don't sell well. <laughs> anyway prove them wrong. It's good when these things happen because it just makes me mad. So here was the story behind this. I kept hearing from everyone, you need to write a book. And so I was on Dr. Phil. One of my friends introduced me to one of the top literary agents in New York City. I think this is a slam dunk. I've got this. I did no research. I did not know what a literary agent wanted or needed or anything else. I just got on the phone. He said, tell me about yourself. I blah, blah, blah. And he said, tell me about your your book, and I told him about what I do, and he goes, well, where's the hook? And I go, it works. He goes, that's not a hook. And I think this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so I talked to another agent, because clearly he didn't understand. And I talked to another huge agent in New York City who said, huh, what do you think she asked me? Where's the hook? Like, so I went, all right, forget it. I'm not going to write a book. But then I was in a business event. And for the like millionth time, someone walked up to me and said, where did you get those arms? And uh, usually I just was like at the gym, duh. But here I was like, huh, I could write a book on this. And I literally was like, I could write a book, six weeks to sleepless and sexy. Right, because you, know, you should always write a book about how to have great arms, obviously, but what was super cool about this is I then went to New York, 
sat down with the publisher, took off my jacket, was wearing a shirt like this, and she said, I'll give you 50 grand. Now, at the time, (laughs) I know, so funny. At the time, I was like, oh my gosh. I remember walking through New York City and I like, I bought a pretzel, which is not good for me, I'm, but I did. I bought a pretzel. I'm walking through New York City and I'm like, I made it. Oh my gosh. Not realizing that 50 grand in the publishing world is basically enough to keep you with them, but not do anything for you. And so here I was pushing this book out. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a lot of friends but they were not in the health industry. So here I am asking friends in businesses to send to their business list six weeks to sleeveless and sexy, because that makes a ton of sense, right? Because, I don't know, guys, this important to you? (laughs) No. So when this came around, I was ready. This is what's super cool. That was research and development. So sometimes we look at these things we did and we go, that was stupid. I mean, what I'm showing you here is like a lot of fail forward fast. Are you getting that? I think the biggest things when I look at like what's helped me be successful, here's the first one. Mastermind, community, support, accountability. That was the biggest, when people say, what was the biggest shift? That was my single biggest shift. Joining a mastermind, being in that support community. And I'm usually in multiples. So once I figured out it worked, I was like, I'll do more. Now, when this came along, when the virgin diet came along, here's why this worked and the other one didn't. I'd been doing this one-on-one with people. Then I took it online and I started teaching food intolerance online. Then, and I'll show you this, I had products. And they were all part of the program. I told people to get up in the morning and have their virgin diet shake. When I first launched the shakes, I went on Rachel Ray and the Today Show and did an online launch. I sold out of half a million dollars worth of products in three days. And then I realized that I didn't have any customer service, nor was the company ready to ship that much product. So that was like, you know, 3,000 customer service complaints in three weeks. But I mean, what an amazing thing because it was part of that. I didn't actually directly sell the products. I taught people how to do the virgin diet and start the day with the virgin diet shake. What did they need? Hello? Hello? Shake! The shake! They needed the shake. How cool is that? And then, and this is really, really important. When I first did this, I did the virgin diet book. Now, success leaves clues, right? So I hired a coach. I hired Brendan Burchard. And Brendan literally walked me through exactly how he'd done his book. And I did exactly what he told me to do because I'm super coachable. I didn't figure, oh, I must know something better than him. I know he did that, but I'll do it this way. No, I did not do that. I did exactly what he told me to do. I got the exact same results as he got and the exact same next book advance, which I'll show you in a second, listening to what he did. I iterated after I did it the first time, but I did what he told me to do the first time. And one of the things he taught me to do was to have the back end. In fact, I look at every single book and I go, why are we writing a book? What's the point of it? Is it to, for me, it was, you know, the lead in to a program. Now, here's what I did wrong back then. I called the program the same name as the book. And after the fact, Brendan goes, oh, yeah. I meant to tell you not to do that. I'm like, thanks, Brendan. But what happens when you do that is people buy the book and they go, why do I need the program? I got the book, right? So 
when we were deciding this whole thing with this book, and I remember sitting with the publisher and my agent, because no, we, we basically created the category of food intolerance seven years ago, eight years ago. It was back then there were food allergies, elimination. So we created this. So this is now the name of the program, and it makes a lot more sense. So think about that if you were writing a book, because as I packaged into programs, I had the books, I had the products, I had the online program, I had coaches. So you can do certified virgin diet coaches, you can have virgin diet products, you can have the virgin diet book, you can have the program that goes with the virgin diet, you're seeing how you can do this in whatever you do. Biggest question I got asked after I wrote The Virgin Diet, and here's what's funny. So The Virgin Diet was drop seven foods, lose seven pounds, just seven days, which sounds like a crazy promise, but it is the average that someone loses going on that program in the first seven days, which is awesome because when you're doing anything, you want to make sure that you have something simple they can do right away that's a quick win. If you start out with someone, and this is what I did when I first started in health, is I would start with them and I go, all right, cool. I do an assessment and I go, we need to work on your sleep we got to deal with your stress. You should be exercising. You need to drink more water. Are you taking your vitamins? <laughs> and they'd be like, like she is right now, trying to look away from me. She's like, is she looking at me? Could she just stop looking at me? Go away. I'm not going to. But if all I said to you is, you know what? We're going to take these seven foods out of your diet for a week. And, you know, do you feel like, are you having any issues with headaches? Maybe a little fatigue, maybe a little gas and bloating. You don't have to answer. She's not going, go away from me. Leave me. <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to do these things. We're going to do it for one week, and you're going to get a little win. Think about what you can do in your business, in your program, that can give someone a little win quickly. I work in weight loss. It is the most jaded industry ever, right? First of all, the biggest challenge in weight loss is people start their diet tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, right? And they also say that diets don't work. So I have to do something right away, but we need to do that in anything we do. What can you do in your program that can give someone a little win within the first couple days so they go, that person is a genius. This works. If this worked like this, I need more. So after I did the virgin diet, and by the way, so it was drop seven foods, lose seven pounds, just seven days. When I first started, it was actually drop six foods which would have been really lame. Drop six foods, lose six pounds, just six days. It doesn't have the same. No. What happened was, at first I was just pulling out these six foods because that was a typical elimination diet. I had done this for, with doctors, I'd done this in practices, and I didn't realize back then that if I pulled six foods out and didn't include sugar, that then what people would just do is go eat a lot of sugar, right? Because I don't really like sugar, I don't have a sweet tooth. But I had to add it in because people were being such piggies about the whole thing and they were eating all the sugar. <laughs> But what I found after I wrote The Virgin Diet is the biggest question I started to get asked because I was talking to people, I was doing talks, I was coaching, and guess what people wanted? And here's a big key, the easiest takeaway for what you should build next is what they're asking for, that customer journey. They'd gone through food elimination, but the big challenge they had next was sugar. They just couldn't seem to get rid of the sugar, and they didn't understand. They're like, but it's honey. It comes from bees. It's got to be fine, right? It's, what, what's wrong with that? No. So honey, 
artificial sweeteners. They kept asking and asking and asking. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been looking at sugar all wrong. We've been looking at sugar all wrong. I need to write a book on this. And so what I did though, because I didn't want to pull another six weeks to sleeve this and sexy, learn it once, right? Is I first wrote out a talk about how we've been looking at sugar all wrong. And I did it on, in my own world, my community. I did it for another doctor, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, and I did it on Brendan Burchard's stage so I could look at people and see how they were reacting. And I sold 700 people into a beta program to test my idea. Because I thought it would work. But you don't publish a book and do a public television special and all that on something you think might work, right? And I remember as I was putting this program out, the beta test, and I'm like going, oh my gosh, it's not all done yet and it's not quite right and blah, blah, blah. And one of my team members was like, the, the community is going to build this with you. And they did. So here I have 700 people who, by the way, paid $200 US each to be in the program, who then, by the way, bought products to be in the program. So they paid me. I ended up making about $250,000 US to test my program for the $2 million book deal I got to make sure it worked. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Right? But it was key critical because those were the people who showed me what was missing, what worked, what didn't work in the program. Super duper important. And that's where I got the success stories and the testimonials that I used when I did a public television special on it. So if you're thinking, what's my next step? Because I'm going to show you all these monetization models. What's my next step in my business? The first easy takeaway is ask. And also just listen to what are they, what are they asking for? What's that customer journey? Like I could draw out, I have an entire roadmap for how you go through our health programs, starting with assessing, you got to know your starting point, to eating better quality food, to detoxing, to doing the virgin diet, to figuring out your carbon tolerance, to adding fitness. It's a whole thing. We know exactly where you're going, right? But we don't tell you all that at once because what would you do? You're like, I'm out. I am out. Oh, I could eat better quality food. So it's just one thing at a time, but I know the progress that they're going to make and I know what the next step is based on what I've been asking them and doing this and seeing what's next. What do they need next? All right. So again, I'm a big one on asking the right questions. And I kept going, how do I 10X my business? Anyone ever ask that question? Anyone want to ask that question? Anyone want to know how to 10X your business? Anyone? Yeah. All right. So I was asking that, how do I 10X my business? How do I 10X my business? And I went to, I was at a Brendan Bouchard event and Jeff Walker was going to do this little mastermind. And I kind of weaseled my way into Jeff's thing. And Jeff said, hey, 90% of your business should come from partners. See, one of the cool things about being in a room like this is these are your partners. But the challenge was I was in rooms like this and there'd be maybe three health people in the room. And I'd already learned from six weeks to sleeveless and sexy that it is super weird for someone who's got like a tech company or a copywriting company to send out a book on sleeveless and sexy, right? That I needed to have other people like me. So what I started to do was invite other health people to come to Brendan's events with me. And then I started to have these little lunches 
at Brendan's events. And at first there were like 12 of us in a room. It worked really well because there was no food over there. It was like, you know, it was at this hotel that Brendan had these things at and there was like no restaurants around. So it was even more effective because they were kind of forced to come into lunch. But we'd have these lunches and after a couple of them, there was a line down the hall of health people wanting to come into the lunch and more people starting to come to the events because other health people were telling them. And at some point I just went, you know what, maybe we should just like, we had a, we'd had a meeting the day after Brendan's. I thought maybe we should just have our own thing. And our own thing started, it was 12 people in a room, then it was 20, then it was 40, then it was 80, then it became this, look at them. So now our Mindshare Summit that I've never advertised, um, you have to be referred by someone. You have to be at a certain point in your business as a health person is now the premier event for health people, for doctors, more functional medicine doctors. We've actually created more New York Times bestsellers, more podcasts, more docuseries. And here's what's super important about that is here I was, the initial question was how do I make a bigger impact, right? And at some point you go, okay, I've, like, I've gotten to my point. And think about this in your business. If you're doing something that's selling to consumers and you've gotten to a point you've developed an expertise, could you then take that B2B? Because what's most interesting about that group is that the impact of that group... Now my big question is, how do I help a billion people? Well, it's not going to be me. It's going to be me and them, right? And right now, we are probably at... You know, we estimate maybe three, four hundred million people that we've helped through those people. How cool is that? That is making a dent in the universe. But here's the other important thing with this, is when you go, there's my husband right in front. Look at, okay, handsome. Anyway, when you go B2B, it takes me 20 times the amount of people, five times the amount of team to do the same income B2C. The net income is twice as much there for that same amount of time. So, but I couldn't do that if I wasn't doing the other. You see that? So if you are doing B to C, think about what you could also offer B to B because along with that, the next thing that came out was they're like, you know, we did a mastermind. We did a membership. We started to look at all the other things we could put in because reality is there are three ways you can make more money, right? This is Jay Abraham. This is not me who's super smart. Um, you can add more customers, right? You can sell more to your customers. You can sell more often to your customers. So what I just went through with you are all the different things that I've incorporated over the years. And I would take a picture of this slide. I know you're also getting the slides, but this is the key slide is what in here what in here could you easily add? Not something new that you have to create, but in your customer journey, or you've now taught this enough times you could do a certification program. What in, could you easily add into your business now to sell more? Do you see something here? Who sees something you could add? What is it? Yell it out. Certification. certification. Membership. Memberships. I think, by the way... I love certifications and memberships because certifications, then they need to ha keep it current, right? If you're creating a business, which I think that one of the most important things we can do whenever we're setting this up is, of course, set it up as a business. 
of course set up with the plan to sell, even though you may think I'm never going to sell, because you'll set it up more strategically. And one of the key most important things that you can put into a business is some kind of continuity, some kind of membership. In my consumer brand, we have a membership and we have auto ship. 5x your EBITDA by just adding those things in. In our Mindshare community, we have a membership. So look at where you can put a membership in. If you have a course, a membership's the logical next thing. They're learning, now they need that implementation support. Who does a course and then they've got it? No one. They need the support. Give them what they need to be successful. It is your responsibility to do that. So again, look at that slide and figure out where you can easily add something in. Because if you listen to all the things I just went through, the reality is I've got books and workbooks and audiobooks. If you've got a book, the easy next step is just to record it as an audiobook. Pull out some things, make it a workbook. Look at your blog. Look at what stuff you can do with that blog so you can monetize your blog. Turn everything into programs. Name them something distinct from the current name that you have. Look at where you can put something in as a membership. I mean, you can see how simple this is, and it's basically what I've been doing all along the way even down to a professional association that I put into place because I discovered that in the health marketing world, there's a lot of cheesy, like, six-minute abs false claims, and we, in order to protect our industry, needed an association, so we started the Health and Wellness Business Association as well. So literally, I've just been creating things that we needed all along the way, and I created them based on what people were telling me, not what I was sitting at my desk thinking would be the great thing. Whenever I've sat at my desk and thought, this is the next big thing, it has never, ever worked. Anyone done that? Like, this is such a good idea. No, it's not. It's a good idea when you're sitting next to someone and you tell them and they go, not only is that a great idea, but here's money. Because until someone gives you money, it's an idea, it's not a business, right? And I can't tell you how many times I created things because people told me they wanted them, but they didn't want to pay for them. So important distinction. So my big dream was to have this. In fact, I just took this picture when I was with Todd Herman. Uh, recently in Cabo, we were at Montage at a, an event, and I value freedom. Anybody else? Like, that is my biggest thing. Like, my biggest nightmare would be to be in an office nine to five. Like, you could just kill me. Anybody else? And so, all these years, my biggest dream was to create a business where I could work from anywhere. And I could work or not work, take time off, travel. If Chris Ducker says, hey, will you come speak at my stage? I go, yeah, and I'll build a whole vacation around it because I can do that. That was always my dream. Seven years ago, it was just before the Virgin Diet was coming out. I had, my sons were 15 and 16 years old. And my son Grant went out, he was 16, was crossing the street, and a car hit him, left him for dead in the street. When we got to the hospital that he'd been airlifted to, the doctor there told us he had a torn aorta. Now, that's what killed Princess Diana. Kills 90% of the people right on the scene. They said this aorta is going to rupture sometime in the next 24 hours unless it's repaired 
but we can't repair it here because he's got multiple brain bleeds. He's in a deep coma. He also had 13 fractures. He was literally covered in road rash, glass sticking out. I remember looking at him. He was on this stretcher and he had, I was like, bones, bones sticking through his skin and the glass shining off him with all the blood. And the doctor telling us, you're just going to have to let him go because he'll never survive that airlift to the next hospital that can do the surgery. And even if he were to survive that, he, he wouldn't survive that, that surgery. And even if he were to survive both of those, he would be so brain damaged. Any parents here? He'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. Now, I don't know about you as a parent, but I'm like going... You know, I'm thinking he's still breathing. My other son's listening. My other son says, like, maybe there's a 0.25% chance. The doctor says, that sounds about right, son. And Bryce, my 15-year-old, says, not zero. We'll take those odds. And so this is where I launched the Virgin Diet. This is where I broke my first million dollars in my business. And this, in the ICU, next to my son in a coma, who, by the way, told me later, Mom, the gray man came down and asked me if I wanted to live or die. And it's, you, you hear about near-death experiences, right? He goes, it was amazing over there. I wanted to be there, but I kept hearing you talk. Because I was sitting there, I was telling him everything I was doing for the book and the book launch and stay, you stay with me and... And he goes, so I decided I'd come back. So I launched that book, saved my son. By the way, not only did I break my first million, I broke my second million in the ICU. You know, Chris Rock, do you guys know who he is? Yeah, so Chris Rock says, money can't buy you happiness. And he's right. Money, he said, can buy you options. See, when I wanted that laptop life, I thought I wanted that laptop life so I could go on vacations everywhere. But when I was in the hospital with my son, and we moved to the second hospital after two and a half months, we were in the hospital for four and a half months. It's been a six-year recovery. When I was in that second hospital, there was this little boy crying in the room next to us, just crying and crying. And I'm like, you know, it's like your mommy instincts are like, what? Go to the kid. I go, why is that boy crying so much? And the nurses said, oh, his parents can't be here. See, I had options. That laptop life gave me options. Those monetization models gave me options. That screen up there with all of those options, those create the options for your life, for whatever it is. Hopefully it's not that, but you know, you never know, you want to be prepared. So my big call to action for you right now is take one of those things. Make that decision. Look at the person next to you. Commit to doing that and commit to doing it fast. Because if you look at the one thing I did, I kept failing forward fast, right? I kept doing things and staying in action. Stay in action because then you too can have those options. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Youpreneur FM. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, why not head over to our official website at youpreneur.com to access all our tools and resources essential to building, marketing, and monetizing a future-proof business based around your expertise. We'll see you next time.